you know, I'm really excited uh, to have the opportunity to share with you all tonight. It's, it's really an honor. And, you know, I've been praying into this message this week, and I really feel like God wants to, wants to do something special tonight, just with the way that I've seen things come together and different aspects of the week and conversations that I've had. I think that He really wants to make sure that people leave here tonight different than what they came in, that they actually step out of this room with more hope and more faith in the God that loves them. And I'm really believing that tonight. And I'm just going to log into my computer so I don't distract us later doing that. But earlier this week, I got to share at interns in the class for this year, who are pretty much all on the front row here. Not all, nearly all. Very exciting. And I was really, I was really chuffed to get um, asked to come and share. Uh, interns has a very special place in my heart. And what I got to, um, or the session that I got to lead, was actually on writing... Um, a letter to ourselves, or I should say themselves. I'm not graduating in terms, so I didn't write myself a letter, but on writing a letter for themselves that they get when they graduate. And the idea being that that is a moment for them to be reminded to look back on the journey that was, to not just arrive somewhere and be so forward focused like we tend to be that we forget the incredible journey and the change and the um, things that we've seen happen in our lives while we've taken advantage of an opportunity. And it can happen a lot in life and especially in interns where week by week you're being challenged and trying new things and you can get to the end of it and be so focused on the next opportunity that people forget that they have grown incredibly and it's such an important thing we should never live in the past but it certainly reminds us of where we've come of how far we've come and after I've been thinking a lot about this when it comes to my journey with God when it comes to faith and I was thinking about this in the lead up to this week, but especially after Wednesday night, I, I don't know what it was, but after sharing at interns, I saw it in an even fresher perspective. You know, what, what is my journey with God so far? Where have I come from? What's happened? Where am I now? Where am I going? And as I looked into this or as I reflected on it, I sort of came to a point where I thought, if someone asked me what, I'm just gonna move this because I feel like it's in your way, I'm very sorry. Um, if someone, sorry, if someone came to me now and said, you know, what's your journey of faith been like? What's your experience, you know, going on a journey with Jesus been like? I would genuinely say to them that for me, it's just been moment after moment and day after day and week after week and year after year now of choosing to trust God. Like that's as simply as I could put it. When I think of everything I've experienced and the journey that I'm on, the simplest way to describe it is moment after moment of choosing to trust God. And you know, I think a lot of us who've been on any sort of journey of faith would have a similar experience where we have an initial moment where we choose to trust God for the first time. We make a decision that we want to let God into our lives, but it doesn't stop there. Like it would be great if we just had to decide to trust in God once and then we were done. 
And it was like, okay, Jesus, like, I, I think I want to let you in my life. I want to trust you. Like, this is it. And then forever, you just trust in God. Um, and if that's you tonight, I mean, I'm praying for you that you find um, the courage to, to trust God and take that step. But I need to tell you that that is not the last time you are going to need to trust God. Because every day from that point, life will happen. Life will continue. You'll encounter new things every single day that make you need to go back to God and choose to trust Him all over again. And I know I've seen it where, um, you know, you make a decision and then um, people come across their first challenge when it comes to God. Maybe God puts something on their heart like, you know, why don't you share this with that friend of yours? And all of a sudden it's like, well... I don't know about that, God. Like, I I trust, like we say this, I trust you, but I don't know if I trust that. And I feel like I've said that a lot in my journey of faith. Like, God, no, no, I trust you. Like, I swear I trust you, but with my finances, Mm, with my relationships, I don't know, Uh, with my career, with my dreams. Like, what happens when you feel a call on your heart to go somewhere different to where you've been preparing to go your whole life? Oh, that is a moment where you have to choose to trust God again. And faith is nothing without that continually choosing to trust Him. And there's a verse in Proverbs that says this. It says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, but submit to Him in all your ways, and He will make your paths straight. And so tonight I want to talk about choosing trust because I really think that faith can't exist without that like when you look at the words they're almost inseparable faith and trust they're almost the same thing Um, and I heard it described that if faith and trust were um, like a trustful so you know when you know at camp they make you stand on like a bench and you fall into the arms of your friends and you like look at your friends and you're like "Mm, no Uh, but (laughs) if If it wasn't trustful, they said, uh, it explained faith is having the hope that your friends catch you. Trust is choosing to fall. That's the difference. And so we need to choose trust in our lives. We need to imprint this verse on our hearts. Because what I've found is that whenever I start to doubt, whenever I start to become fearful, whenever I start to think that God's led me somewhere that I don't have the capacity to trust him with something that is just too close to my heart scary was that me too scary or whatever it is I know I need to stop and I need to actually reflect on the journey that's been I need to actually look at my life and see where God's brought me and I need to remind myself of the original reason I chose to trust in Jesus I need to remind myself why he's trustworthy And so that's what I want to explore together tonight, because whether you're um, on a journey with Jesus or whether you're thinking about starting that, you will need to be reminded that God is trustworthy, that he is worth believing in and hoping in. And before I go any further, I just want to make one thing um, really clear is that trust is not about the outcome. It's not about believing for something specific. 
It's why that scripture, it says, lean not on your own understanding. Because if we're only trusting for what we can explain, for what we can understand, we are going to struggle to trust God because he knows more than we do. He sees more than we do. And so we need to become really comfortable with being uncomfortable that we cannot rely on our own understandings. It's not about the outcome. It's not about whether you think God's been faithful. It's about declaring that He is even when we can't see it. Because what I know and what's on my heart to share is that no matter what happens, God is good and He is for us and He is trustworthy. And so I thought I would start at the simplest place to start, which is uh, who is God? That seems like a pretty, uh, pretty safe place to start, pretty simple. Um, but in John 14, verses 8 to 9, it says this. So this is uh, when Jesus is with his disciples. He's telling them everything that's going to happen in the lead up to him being arrested um, and taken essentially to the cross. And one of his disciples, or many, a few of his disciples start to ask him questions. And Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? And Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. And Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and that will be enough for us. He's like, please just give us something. Please tell us who God is so that we can hold on to that. And Jesus says, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I have been among you such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am the Father and that the Father is in me. He says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. For us to be able to understand this relationship with trusting Jesus, with trusting God, the most important thing for us to realize and what the disciples are realizing in this moment is that Jesus is God. That is foundational. That is so important. And I think we need to actually appreciate how... uh, like world altering this would have been for the disciples. Like they've been hanging out with Jesus, a guy who's inspired them and challenged them. And they've seen perform miracles and things that they cannot explain. They've seen so much journeying with him, but he is clearly a man and he's loving and kind and compassionate and and just the best parts of humanity to the extreme, to perfection. And so they're going, there has to be more. Like the subtext of that question is, you can't be God. Like there has to be something else. Tell us what he's like. Show us what he's like. Because if you imagine what gods of the day were like, they were hardly kind and compassionate and loving and serving and sacrificing. That is not what a God looked like. That's not what they looked like at all. And so for the very first time, they're going, wait, it's not Jesus, the son, but then also he's got a dad who's still a little bit aggro and maybe like smites people, smotes, I don't know what the present tense is, but they've got this image in their head that Jesus, yes, but God has to be something else again. And Jesus is saying, no, no, no. If you've seen me, you've seen the father. And 1 John 4, it says this, whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. 
This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. And you know, that's the good news. You know, the good news isn't just that we were saved and set free because Jesus, when he died on the cross, paid a debt that we couldn't. But the good news is also that through Jesus, God was fully revealed. That is fantastic news because if you've seen Jesus in scripture, what is he? Who does he reveal God to be? To be loving and kind and merciful, someone who rescues the judged, someone who heals people who are sick, someone who finds those who are outcast and brings them into community, into relationship, who says to anyone who feels unworthy that he loves them, that they are worthy. In that moment, the disciples are realizing that if Jesus is God, This is why Jesus died. This is why they've given their life to follow him because that is a God worth following. This is why we are here. This is why I follow Jesus because I know no matter how much um, I love him all the time I give to him, I'm giving to a God who did place the stars in the sky, the God who did create every single one of us, the God who has a plan and a purpose for every single person and the God who when he confronted sin and death which is where I would expect to see what the real God was like which is where I would expect to see a little bit of the God I think that we all fear exists that judges that is angry that is looking for our faults how does Jesus confront that with forgiveness with complete forgiveness choosing to set aside everything that we've done just so that we can have relationship with him just so that we know that we are loved that everything that we imagine is separating us he goes I don't care about that at all in fact that's why God Jesus came to the world to show you so that it couldn't be clearer his love for us and so he is trustworthy In every moment where God is revealed, he's revealed to be kinder, more compassionate, and just the personification of good. So let's start there. When we're struggling, when we're not sure whether we can trust God, let's start with the fact that he is good. And whenever he's been revealed through Jesus, it's been to a kinder and a more compassionate end. And that is someone worth putting your trust in. And the um, second thought that I have on this is just in God's nature, he is eternal. He's not just everything revealed in Jesus, but he is all-knowing and all-powerful. And he is God and he is eternal. That means he knows what was, what is, what will come. He's the beginning and the end. So not only is he profoundly trustworthy in his character, but he knows exactly what will happen for eternity. Now, if there's anyone I'm gonna put my hope and trust in, it is a good God who sees everything in its entirety all at once. And so he sees what we can't. His love and goodness in its entirety, and he sees what we can't. And I wanna just show us, you know, a place in scripture that I think really reveals this. 
and it's in Numbers. And some of you might know the story of um, you know, Exodus and Moses. I think, I think he's a pretty famous Bible character. Like if you've seen, um, I think, was it, I want to say Pixar did like a great, the Prince of Egypt. Raise your hand. Raise your hand, Prince of Egypt. Yeah. Oh, oh sorry. Okay, okay. <laughs> the point remains, how good was that film? So good. So I think this is the story. So Moses leading his people out of Egypt. And the intention there is God wants to lead them to a promised land, to a land that is overflowing with milk and honey, a land that they're going to be able to live in in peace and actually be content after years of being enslaved. And so this section in Numbers is after they've gotten out of the promised land. You know, Moses, he parts the Red Sea. They get through. It's completely miraculous. Um, They've, at this point, even, I think they've defeated an army or two that came against them as they come out of the Red Sea. And Moses decides to to send spies into the promised land to get a report, suss it out, find out what's happening. And this is the report that comes back. It says, they came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community at Kadesh in the desert of Paran. And they reported to them and to the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is its fruit. But the people who live there are powerful and the cities are fortified and very large. We saw even descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites live there in Negev. The Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites live in the hill country and the Canaanites live near the sea along the Jordan. So pretty much like surrounded by people who don't like Israel, just in case you were wondering. Um, And then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and he says, we should go up and take possession of the land. We can certainly do it. Caleb is like, yes, we can do this. God is on our side. But the men who had gone with him said, we can't attack those people. They're stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land. They said, the land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw are of great size. That is enough to scare me right there. And we saw the Nephilim there. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes and we looked the same to them. So he sent 12 spies uh, into the land to check it out. 12, representing the 12 tribes of Israel. And the only people who come back with like semi-positive reports is Caleb and Joshua. And the other spies with their bad reports that they spread, they just so full of fear. They actually try and, they talk about stoning Moses and Aaron. They want them out. They're just not impressed with the fact that they're seeing their leadership, taking them into something that they don't think they can win. They're like, they keep saying repeatedly, like, why did God bring us here just to give us to this? Like, we're going to be destroyed. We would have been better off being slaves. And just repeatedly, you see this mentality where no matter the miracles they've seen, what's happened in their past, they're focused on the promised land and it's too big for them. It's too big for them. They've forgotten that God literally parted the sea and they're looking at this promised land going, we can't do this. And they actually end up not doing it. They're in that desert for 40 years and it is a hard 40 years. And as soon as Joshua 
takes uh, leadership after Moses passed away. He sends two spies into the land to reassess. God tells him, it's time. Like, you guys have been out here. It's time to get in the land that I set aside for you. And this is what the report that Joshua's men bring back. I know that the... Oh, sorry. I'm wrong. When they get there... Man, I just remembered what I was supposed to say. He sends the spies into the land. So he sends two. And when they get there, they meet a woman called Rahab. And she's uh, a prostitute. She lives in the, like, the city walls uh, that protect Jericho. And she actually helps hide them and keep them safe. Because when the king finds out that there are spies there from Israel, he's not very impressed. And so she actually risks a lot by hiding them. And then they have this conversation um, a bit later. So this is Rahab talking to the two spies that are there. She says, I know that the Lord has given you this land and that a great fear of you has fallen on us so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. We have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea when you came out of Egypt and what you did to Sion and Og, the two kings of the Amorites east of Jordan, whom you completely destroyed. When we heard of it, our hearts melted in fear and everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord your God is God in heaven above and earth below. So what we see is 40 years later, the report is not that these people knew they would easily take Israel. They have been melting in fear because they could see that God would give the land to them. I wonder how many times, how many opportunities we've looked at and gone, I don't think I can do this, not in my strength. And on the other side, people are going, I knew they could do it all along because of the God that they serve. I wonder how many times we've ended up in the desert because we did not choose to trust God. He is good. He was leading them to goodness, but they didn't trust his character. They were worried. They kept saying, why did God bring us here to die? You have to have a confusing sense of who God is to believe that, but they hadn't met Jesus. They didn't have the revelation that God is love and kindness and compassion and all things good. And I wonder if they did, if they would have chosen differently, but I'm not sure because I know that I still don't always choose trust. I know all these things and even still there are times when that thing looks too great, too big, and I don't know if I can do it. And the irony is when you say, I don't know if I can, what you're actually saying is, I don't know if God can because it's not about you. Trust in me with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. That's saying you will not understand this. God is eternal. He sees the things we can't. And so he probably has a capacity to understand the things that we will never be able to understand. But if we can just trust that God is always leading us into goodness, that his character is good, that he is worth trusting, then we are going to be able to go on a journey with him. We are going to be able to continue to choose to trust and, you know, I always wonder about why, you know, it seems interesting to me that God brought them out of Egypt then if he knew that they wouldn't enter the promised land. Like God is eternal. He knows everything that's going to happen, everything that happens, everything that has happened. And while we have free will, he still sees 
what we choose and yet he leads them out and gives them this opportunity and you know I don't know but I wonder if that's just you know a part of God's nature is that even when we're not ready he wants to give opportunity for us to step into goodness that even if we don't step into it what it becomes is something that later when we look back we can actually go wow you know I think God was leading me somewhere great and if I had just chosen to trust him and that actually becomes not only what was a, a revelation of God's nature but a reminder to you going forward hey I can trust God I can trust God with the things in my life that I'm really worried about and concerned about and it's not always easy because some seasons are harder than others but I know for me like without trust in God there are certain seasons that I just don't know how I could have come back from like I genuinely have experienced you know the peace of God and just knowing that when it doesn't make sense when it doesn't add up when the things of this world because we do live in a broken world and people do hurt us and things do happen that we sometimes look at and go why would God allow this and we will never understand the answers to those questions I just don't think that we can but what we can do is trust in his character. We can trust that he is good and that in the long term that his eternal plan is more important. This life is supremely important. We have the opportunity not only to live a, a beautiful life, but to ensure that other people encounter Jesus, that they step into eternal life. But that means that our hope isn't just anchored in what we experience here and now. It's not just anchored in the things that we face here. There is an eternity. There is a life that God has planned for us that is full of joy and peace and happiness. And that's something that when nothing else makes sense, that's what my hope is in. That's what my trust is in. Not the outcome, that it would happen the way I want to see it here and now, but that I trust in God's eternal plan. I trust in who He is, that He is good. And you know, I'd love to give the opportunity for people here to trust tonight. I think that there are so many things that we face that can feel like a Jericho that maybe we can even see the goodness on the other side, but the fear that we are not enough is holding us back. That the fear that we might not make it is holding us back. But God sees what we can't see. If He's calling you to something, if He's leading you somewhere, it might be challenging. But I assure you that God is good. And what is on the other side is good. And if you're facing something just in general that maybe as I've spoken, of as I've shared tonight, you've just gone, yeah, like I've really been struggling to trust God with this, fully to trust God, not to trust that He'll do what I want, but to trust that no matter what, He is good. To trust not only for the outcome, but for the peace in the middle, for that knowing that God's character is trustworthy. He is love and mercy and kindness. And so we're going to just have a moment for that because I don't think there's really steps to try like do this do this and then you trust like this is a choice this is something you have to decide for yourself no one else can do it for you and so we're gonna worship for a moment and I really want to encourage you if there's something that
you've really been struggling to trust God with, or you've really been struggling with in general, a healing or um, a relationship or a financial issue or an opportunity or something that just your heart really felt heavy as I speak about trust tonight, we're going to pray for that. Because as much as we trust regardless of the outcome, we believe God to be a healer to be a restorer, to be someone who makes a way where there is no way. Trusting in God regardless does not push to the side His power and the, and the amazing miracles that can take place that we believe in God and, and trust in Him for. 